Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of So What Else. I'm your host, Caitlin. As you know, So What Else is here to bring you stories. So this week we have Nicole Jacobs-Meyer on here to share her story. Don't confuse her with last week's guest, Nicole Langman, who was also lovely. But this week we have Nicole Jacobs-Meyer and I just want this to kind of serve as a little bit of a trigger warning for you guys. She talks about walking through rape, miscarriage, cancer, a lot of stuff, okay? So if that's something that is particularly sensitive to you, maybe have caution before listening to this. Maybe have a friend listen first to see if they think that this would be something that would be good for you or maybe not. Um, Nicole sheds so much light on just how to take back your joy. Her book is called Take Back Your Joy, Fighting for Purpose When Life is More Than You Can Handle. Listen, I don't know about you, but that's where I'm at right now. Life feels like more than I can handle. And so this conversation was very timely for me. I hope it's also timely for you. If you're someone that just raised your hand and said, yeah, that's me. My life is more than I can handle right now. This conversation is for you. I know you're going to love it. Nicole is super encouraging. Stay tuned and listen in. Nicole, welcome to So What Else. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I love this. (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited. So we went through like a series, well, not like a series, but a time in this podcast where everybody was named like some derivative of Kate or Caitlin or (laughs) Catherine or Katie, and people were constantly confused. They'd be like, oh, that episode with Kate, Kate." and I'd be like, oh man, there were 12 of them. But now we're in a season of Nicole's. I we love really it. are. Just to, so the day that we are recording this today, Nicole Langman's episode posted. And oh, then nice. just a few weeks ago, Nicole Zazowski wrote love the her. forward yes. of your book. Yes. She was for sure like, uh, I loved my interview with her. She was She's so amazing. amazing. She is absolutely amazing. And it's funny because like Nicole Zazowski and Nicole Langman, they're both therapists. And so in both of their interviews, I was like, getting therapy. <laughs> Which, and it was free. So and it was amazing. Exactly. So I was like, this is fantastic. And so now we have another Nicole. Love that. I'm not a therapist, but not a therapist, you know, maybe someday. Totally fine. I do think it's funny though, how names come in like spurts of ages. Like, yeah. do you know anybody with a baby that they're naming Nicole right now? No. Not really. And no. I, I don't know any Caitlin's or Kate's or Catherine's that are babies. It'll happen. It'll yeah, happen. It'll Just give around. it time. It's coming. You're right. <laughs> it'll come back around. It really, it will. But it's so it like cracks me up that we all think that we're being unique. And like, you know, like my second daughter, her name is Emerson. And we thought that was like mildly oh, yeah. unique. Oh yeah. She has another Emerson in her class. There's like of 10 course kids she in there. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is not a unique name. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's but so funny. Fine. What are you gonna do? It what is do you what do? it is. <laughs> so listen, your book. Take back your joy. The tagline of it is fighting for purpose when life is more than you can handle, which is not funny, but it almost makes me laugh at this moment because it's like, I have said this a million times on this podcast. I really do believe that God sets up guests for me. They say yes to me or no, or the timing works out in such a way that it's always very timely for like my life, which is very selfish of me to say, but like, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, I'm always like, this really worked out for me because this is what I needed to hear. I feel like I get so much out of the conversations that I have because it always seems to be like in line with what I need at that time. Oh, I love that. God is so kind to do that. Totally. So your book... 
I was reading it in the waiting room of the hospital all week when my mom was getting brain surgery for the second time. And like, you know, that phrase fighting for purpose when life is more than you can handle for sure. I am like in the weeds with that. We were joking before we started recording that I am like, I feel like my life is that meme that is like the little man in the room that's burning down and it's like, I'm fine, but it's like all on fire. (laughs) You know, it's just been like a lot of like stupid first world problems. Right. No, for the last few months, just things. Cars have broken down multiple times for us. Husband traveling a lot. I've been very sick from this pregnancy. I throw up like regularly still, even though I'm like 23 weeks. It's been the hardest one, you know? And then like I had, my daughter had a hard time adjusting to kindergarten, you know, whatever. First world problem things. I was just kind of, and I've said to my husband maybe two weeks ago, I just feel like I need like, I just need a breather for, there's yeah. just like been a lot. And then it was like, literally the next day it was like, mom's cancer's back. And it was like, <sighs> you know what I mean? Like, it was just yeah. like, okay. And so does life feel like more than I can handle right now? It does. Yeah. Hence enter your book, which <laughs> is wonderful timing again. So wonderful for me. So, you know, I think that it's funny that people say that all the time, like God's not going to give you more than you can handle. And I yeah, love that you kind of- a joke. <laughs> yeah, like you called that out in your book. You were like, really? Because I feel consistently like I have more than I can handle. So that's confusing. Yeah. That's a confusing statement. <laughs> so let's just kind of like get into it. Your story is wild. You've been through a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot. So let's kind of get into your story and then we'll sort of break it down after. Um, we can kind of start with- I want to say you were in high school and you found out information about your dad. So it was in, uh, okay. So I went to college on a full ride volleyball scholarship, worked my entire life on that. Not my entire life. That's an overstatement, but for a long time, I dedicated everything to this sport. Mm -hmm. And so once I got the full ride, it was like, oh my goodness, this is it. I have arrived, you know, so great. And I grew up in a Christian home. And so I was very excited to be a light for the Lord and to go to Campus Crusade and do all the things. And I was very excited about that. But coming from a Christian bubble and then going to college in a secular community and on a volleyball team is completely, um, it, it shattered what I had as expectations go. Mm. And so I think just not having the groundwork laid for being in a majorly secular environment was already just a wake up call. And Mm -hmm. then on top of that, to have a coach who really chipped away at who I was, my character, my Mm -hmm. personality, my, the, the strengths that I thought I had, and it completely ruined me. And to the point of bad decisions started to be made, gotten relationship that I shouldn't have gotten in a relationship with and moved back home. And my dream all of a sudden was crushed and I had nowhere to go, no idea what to do because this was, this was it. And Mm -hmm. this is what I thought I was going to be doing for the next four years. So I found myself in a different volleyball college, um, and got involved in, um, a different, uh, church community and, you know, slowly, but surely over the years, it was, making my way back and at least finding some joy. Mm -hmm. And then it was my senior year that 
there were just some really hard things going on in my home. And my dad ended up sharing that he was living a double life. Mm. And without going into all the details, it was absolutely heartbreaking. The unfaithfulness, the betrayal, the um, just the shock that went into that. And then shortly after that is when I was in the worst traumatic event of my life and I was raped. And so in this short amount of time, I had this horrible volleyball coach, the betrayal of my father, and then this rape, which was absolutely horrific. Mm. And so it's, it's so, it's still painful to talk about because sometimes you look through, you, you try to be positive, you try to be joyful, you try to be grateful for all the things that God has brought you through to where you are now. But sometimes when you sit in it and you Mm -hmm. really think about what you've gone through, Mm -hmm. it's really hard. And so that was just the, I would say I had like two bookends of pain in my life. And that was kind of the first season. And then fast forward to a few years ago, um, I had our first miscarriage which was awful. And then of course, and then I had, we found out we were moving across the country away from all of our family and friends, all of our church community and just everything that we just love in the country for my husband's job for pediatric residency. And then 10 days before we moved, I was diagnosed with cancer. And so it was just like this whirlwind. And so we came out to our new city, not knowing anyone. I had surgery the same week my husband started his intern year. We had three little boys at the time and it was just awful. And that's when the depression hit. So Mm -hmm. I have experienced so much pain that when you, sometimes when I I don't want this to be like a gloss over Mm -hmm. of like, oh, here's just like the pinpoints of everything that I've gone through. But when I say that, like, I understand this idea of joy and suffering and I'm working it out on a daily basis, I get it. And I get, I get the pain of life and feeling like God has completely abandoned you Mm -hmm. and that everybody has betrayed you and that you have nowhere to go and no one to come alongside of you. And so I get it. And it's, it's been very hard. Yeah. I mean, it's just like so crazy to me because like reading your story, I was just like, holy moly. Like if I went through all of those things, I would be a mess. I certainly would not be writing a story about (laughs) writing a book about joy. You know what I mean? Like I had my, I had my mess (laughs) and I still am a mess sometimes. Right. (laughs) It just feels like, did you ever feel like you had those moments? So when you were like, God, like it's enough, you know, like for me, I, it's so strange because obviously nobody like taught me this like explicitly, but I felt like I always had this underlying belief that like you kind of like have your hard thing that you go through and then it's right. like you check it off the list. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So like in my family, like my brother passed away eight years ago and I think oh. I kind of felt like, oh, that was our thing. Like that is yeah. our trauma. I'm so that sorry. We will, thank you. And you know, it's like, that's our trauma that we'll right. be, you know, that right. that's our thing that we will yeah. ha- carry for the rest of our lives. And that's, that's our thing. Yeah. And then it's like when my mom got diagnosed with this very aggressive brain cancer and then- that was 
dramatic and traumatic all in and of itself. And then she was doing well. And then to have a recurrence of it, like it just feels like sometimes I do this thing, which I know is very unhealthy, but you look around and you're like, she's never lost anybody. Yeah. Like she's, they've never had any kind of like, what, what was, like, why does it feel like all the hits are coming at us? And your story, it's like that times 10. Like, I can't even imagine, (laughs) like, how did you reconcile that? Like, how did you sit there and be like, wow, like God, I had this horrible thing happen with my family. I was raped. I had cancer. Like I am basically single parenting as my husband is a resident. Like there's a lot of junk here to sift through. And like other people don't have, of course we can't compare people's pain, but you get my point. Like some people haven't had those massive traumas in their life. Right. How do you work through that? You know, I tend to, like you said, the first thing is you cannot rank um, the pain, just like you almost can't rank offenses when you're working through forgiveness totally, and working through that and, and sin as well, Mm -hmm. when you're trying to like have that prideful bout and you're trying to Mm -hmm. think that you're better than somebody else. Totally. Mine's not as bad. Right. Like it's the same thing with pain. You can't like what someone is going through, maybe it's a broken friendship and that is awful for them. Mm -hmm. And that is painful. And they are, you know, on their knees before the Lord, because that is their, like, that is what they're going through. And then, you know, I have to have the grace and the kindness because that's what the Lord is calling us to do and meeting people where they are and understand like for that person, that's really awful. Mm -hmm. And, but at first it definitely is so hard because, you know, especially with social media, just the whole comparison game, you yeah. go on social media and everybody's just posting all these like wonderful things. And I'm over here like, am I going to die from surgery? You know? Yes. And, yes. And like, is my, like, when am I going to see my husband again? And when am I going to like move out of this ghetto house? And when am mm-hmm. I going to, you know, you think of all these things and then you look on Instagram and everybody's like, oh, we just bought a mansion. <laughs> or like, here's us yeah. in a pumpkin patch. We're so cute. Yeah. My husband and our kids were all matching. And you're like, and I haven't like, seen my husband. Right. And like, um, yeah. I don't even know the last time I actually had a conversation with them. Right. So that was really hard. I had to really work through that and sift through that. But I kind of go to that verse in Luke where it says, um, I'm going to botch this, but when much has been given to you, much is required. Mm-hmm. And I look at that with also pain, not necessarily blessings and like all the things that I have, because I do have a full life. I have four beautiful children, a very successful husband now. And like, we have a wonderful life. We really, really do. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we don't have pain and we don't have hardships. Yeah. And so sometimes I look at person, I think, you know what God has allowed? He hasn't authored it all. He either authors or allows. He has mm-hmm. allowed a lot of hard things in my life mm-hmm. and much is going to be required with that. And so I have the responsibility to sift through this idea of joy and suffering, understand Mm -hmm. it, and then help other people not walk away from their faith or not raise their fist at God or not get angry at him or whatever the case is, not lose hope that they can keep going. Mm -hmm. And that's the responsibility I, I have. And so I take it as almost say, okay, this is a this is a high calling as we all have a high calling. And this is just my lane that I am in. And Mm -hmm. it is so 
it is just so much easier if I have boundaries with social media. Mm. And when I am always praying that the Holy Spirit fills me with grace (laughs) and kindness towards other people, because I'm not going to lie. Sometimes people's problems, like I can't handle it. I'm just like, that is not a big deal. Thank you. And I, I cannot, I cannot meet you here because like I'm dealing with X, Y, and Z. Yes. And I think that's okay, but we still need to be nice. We still need Mm -hmm. to be kind and love you, pray for, I'm going to pray for you, you know, whatever. But there's, it's definitely harder than others. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's so freeing to hear that. You know what I mean? Because you're so right where it is like, we can't judge anybody else's life. Like we don't, we don't know it all. And even if it looks like they haven't been through whatever, like it's all of that. Right. But it's also okay to like have boundaries, you know what I mean? And just be like, you know what? Like I'm going through this thing right now. And like, you know, you getting a flat tire is not, yes. I get it that that is a big deal, but it's not that big of a deal. Right. Like when right. I'm about to get surgery and I have three young children at home right. and like, you know what I mean? Like, so again, it's not a competition, but it's like, right. okay to have boundaries. If you're like, I can't Absolutely. like take that on right now. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like that's not where I'm at. Um, I want to circle back a little bit. So I know that for you, obviously that's, deeply, deeply traumatizing to survive a rape. I mean, people, there are so many stories of like that being someone's story and they, it derails them. You know what I mean? Like uh, understandably so. That's deeply traumatizing. Right. How did you work through that? Is there PTSD things that you suffer from? Like how did you work through that and heal from that? Honestly, I was about to walk away from my faith completely mm-hmm. because I felt so betrayed by God because mm-hmm. I'm I'm reading verses about how he's my protector, he's my shield, and then I look at my circumstances and I'm like, where were you? Yeah. And so, and I think that that's those are very valid questions and feelings after such a traumatic event. Yes. Um and so I just didn't I just I didn't care anymore. I was like, I feel so alone and I, I don't understand. And I'm done. I'm just, I'm just done. And so I think, you know, God is so kind and so good because he knew I wasn't just going to open the Bible and just start reading and let's get back into my faith. He knew I wasn't going to want to go to church and just start a community Bible study and just like hang out with people. He knew I worship that that was hard for me because I didn't agree with the words that I was seeing with my present circumstances. But what he did know is that it was going to take service and responsibility to pull me out. And that Mm. is exactly what happened shortly after the rape and the police investigation, all of the crap that went down. Am I allowed to say crap on here? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And after all that went down, I had a call from the women's director who was also involved in missions. And she called me into her office and I didn't know what was going to go down because I probably assumed that she thought I was not doing well because I wasn't. And I wasn't the same showing up at Bible study as I was the week before. Right. Mm-hmm. And so once she called me in, I, I sat with her small talk for a little bit. And then she asked me to lead the missions trip that following summer. Well, I immediately was like, absolutely, absolutely not. I am not holy enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I don't even know if I believe in God. So this is not going to happen. And I told her, 
about my dad and all the mm-hmm. things going on and then the rape and just my brokenness and just mm-hmm. through tears, I just was like, you're going to have to pick a better girl for yeah. this job. Aww. And she said, what she, what she said tr- just changed the trajectory of my life because she told me, she's like, Nicole, this is, is exactly why you're supposed to lead this trip because mm-hmm. you have nothing to offer. You are completely weak and broken. Mm-hmm. And that is when God is going to showcase his glory, his power and show up to the people on the team and in this country. Mm. And that just changed me because it put the, per, it put the pressure off of myself mm-hmm. for trying to be this quote unquote, super spiritual girl mm-hmm. and put it on God. And it was like, all right, Lord, Mm-hmm. You, this is what you're calling me to. So I'm going to go in my brokenness. I have nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. And it was then that he really met me in my mm-hmm. questions. And mm-hmm. I ended up going and that kind of set me on this new path with the Lord and mm-hmm. brought me back. And it was shortly after that, that I met my husband. So it was mm-hmm. like, God knew all along what he was doing and he knew what would almost woo me back to his heart. Mm. And it was through that service and responsibility instead of, you know, the Bible and worship and things that you would typically think sure. would bring you back. But for me personally, it was different. That's so interesting. I, I I love that. I think that that's really cool. And I I think that that's really interesting that that director could sense something in you. And instead of Because I feel like a a normal response would be like, she's going through something. Let's just kind of like leave her be. We're certainly not going to ask her to take charge of something right now. She's going through something. But she, it's like she knew. Like she was like, you know what? Yeah. This girl's going through something. And what she actually needs is like to be called into something. Yes. And that's what I'm going to do, you know? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because I had people in the past, you know, back to those college days where, I was not equipped in their mind to be the best leader for whatever Christian organization I was trying to be in. And that kind of broke me. So I kind of thought that's what was going to happen again, because Mm -hmm. this was a much larger opportunity to lead. And I was that much more broken. And so I just love that because I think that that shows how personal God is Mm -hmm. and how he knows exactly what each of us need and he knows, he just knows us so well. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful that he's so kind in that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Did you feel that you brought any of that trauma from the rape into like your marriage? Or did you really feel like set free from that? Like that was not, it didn't play in. Honestly, it definitely played into it because I was so fearful because with, okay, so back up. My husband Mm -hmm. was in the medical field. Mm -hmm. So he had nights all the time. Oh yeah. 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 I could not handle that. Totally. And so that's when the first kind of slew of depression came because I had our first child and, you know, after we're married and all the things and he was on nights and he was doing his thing and I could not deal with that. It was so, so hard. And honestly, even to this day, I have a very hard time if he's on nights. Um, and if I'm alone, it yeah. just, it's just one of those things. It's like, I know God is always working to redeem our situations and to heal and to restore. But that's just one thing that I think, you know, it, it just might take some more time. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I love how you said earlier that you were like, you know, I had strong faith and then this happened to me and it felt like, God, where were you? Yeah. You know? And I think that that's like a really, there's like no like true, like quote unquote answer to that. You know, I interviewed Rachel Henry and she was um, raped brutally in her home. And she said that she struggled with that. Obviously like God, like you could have stopped this. I believe that you are strong enough to have stopped this. Right. She was like, then, you know, I found myself when I was praying through it and working on my healing and counseling and things like that is that I got this picture of the Lord, like being there as it was happening and weeping, like, because this is not what he wants. You know what I mean? This wasn't like his desire for my life. You know what I mean? Exactly. I think for for me, it was more an understanding of God's sovereignty and authority and how the earth is full of evil, full of sin, the enemy's dominion. And this is not like, this is not heaven. Yeah. And yet we we long for that. And sometimes we get it mixed up and we think our lives are so great that we're living in, you know, we're living our best life. And then something horrible happens and you're like, wait, what? Because yeah. we kind of got our ways mixed up. But mm-hmm. this is, there is evil everywhere. People yeah. have free will. And mm-hmm. it's almost like I, I never thought of it that way. I just immediately went to questioning God, blaming God, angry at God, instead of being like, you know what? Life is really hard and really bad things happen because this is Satan's territory. This is not, this is not heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you've mentioned that your husband was in med school, starting his residency, all of that. So you're the second wife we've had on here whose husband like went through all that. And so she talked a little bit about match day. I don't know anything, you know, like all I know about the medical field is what I've seen in Grey's Anatomy, you know what I mean? Like, or ER. Which is still going on, which blows my mind. Is that the wildest thing ever? Yeah. And I'm, people are going to hate me for saying this, but I was on a plane recently and like all I could get was Grey's, like the recent season. And I was like, oh, you know, I used to watch it. Like the first, I don't know, 15 seasons. Now they're on like 75. It was like boring. It's not good anymore. They need to stop. They really do. Call it a day. It's fine. Like you had a really good run. Call it a day. Anyway, sorry to the Grays people out there. Just give us a quick, like paint a quick picture for the listener about like, what does that look like? Like you had little children. What were his hours like? Like then the whole match day thing, just so people can kind of wrap their mind around like what you were dealing with. Yeah. So I was actually on a girl's trip with two of my best friends and my husband had like three days where he scheduled so that I could just have some time with friends, which was so kind of him. And I, that is when I just found out I was pregnant, went on the girl's trip. This was our fourth baby, final baby. Yay. So exciting. Um, never had any problems before that going on this trip, saw one of my friends for the first few days or the first couple of days. And then I was with my other friend and we were out at dinner and I just felt this gush. Mm. And I was like, that is not normal. So then fast forward in between um, match day and this happening, I still was kind of hopeful because they were very much like, 
when I went to the doctor, they were very much waiting to see Mm -hmm. if the baby would pass, what was going on. My dates didn't match up. I still wasn't feeling well, but I still wasn't like officially miscarrying. So I was so hopeful. Of course. I was so hopeful. I was like, oh, everyone just watch what God can do, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, just in that spot of like, this is going to be okay. Well, then we went to match day and we, (laughs) you show up in a room with everybody and you have an envelope that tells you where you are matched and where you're moving, what you're doing. And you don't get to pick, of course, it's the whole surprise system. Yeah. And so the MC is like, all right, get ready, you know, count down five and do the whole thing. And we open it and it's like, oh, wow, we're in, we're going to go to North Carolina and across the country. Awesome. We really thought we were in Colorado at the time. We really thought we were going to stay in Colorado. (sighs) And so at that point I was like, what I there's no way I am having a miscarriage and moving away and all like there's no way like God's not going to do that God wouldn't do all of that like he wouldn't let all of that happen exactly yeah and so then you know shortly after that we we found out that it was in fact a miscarriage and it was just devastating and then we had to fly out to North Carolina and buy a house and then Mm. fly back and then pack our house and oh there's cancer so I think having I had a, thankfully I was in Colorado with our community, with our family, um, because I had so many appointments in between that, that Andrew couldn't, my husband, Andrew, he could not make, you know, he couldn't be there. He was working right. nights. He was doing his thing. And I was so grateful for those friendships and the community mm-hmm. to help me in those seasons where I had to go to the hospital for all these things in a couple, you know, slew of three months. And then my, I had the three little boys at home. And so someone had to watch him. Yeah. So it was just, it was just absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. And the way you figured out that you had cancer was your son, right? Yes. So we were packing up the house. Like I said, 10 days before, you know, graduation and moving and, I was doing the airplane. You guys, you know what that is? Like where you're on your back, you put Mm -hmm. your little kiddo on their tummy, on your feet, and you're zooming him through the air. And my son, he was only four at the time. And he looked down at my neck and he was like, what is that? And I had no idea what he was talking about. I thought I had like, I don't know, a zit, chocolate, whatever. Right. And and my husband was actually home that day and he was like, honey, what is that? And they looked at it and they're like, you need to get that checked out. And I like looked over at the mirror and it was a, definitely a enlargement. <laughs> there was like a lump on my neck. And I was like, no, we've got too much stuff. We've got birthdays and graduation mm. and moving. And I don't have just, time for this. Yeah. Let's yeah. just deal with it. Like the meme you were saying, the yeah. sitting in the fire behind you, like yeah. I'm fine. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, like, no, I'm totally fine. It's fine. Like, let's just deal with all this later. Don't yep. have time now. So my husband, because of course in the medical field, he was like, absolutely not. Like totally. you are going, you're going to go make an appointment and you need to get this scheduled. So thankfully, you know, God opened some doors for us to be able to get into a family practice doctor because Mm -hmm. of course, a busy mom with all these babies, I didn't have a normal doctor. I just had an OB for like six years. (laughs) That's every woman I know, by the way. And so I didn't have like a family practice doctor or just like a normal doctor to go get checked up on. So 
finally we found somebody and they had an appointment and they were like, you know, you should probably go to the hospital and get an ultrasound on your neck and blood work and all this stuff. And within 24 hours, I was diagnosed with the thyroid cancer. So it was, it was so just like the worst timing in my mind. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Just like the one thing after the next. And you, and I couldn't really process that miscarriage because now it was cancer. And so I don't think I processed the miscarriage until I was healing well on my way, healing after cancer. Yeah. Oh, that's just so crazy. So you hear you have thyroid cancer. You have three little children. Your husband is never home. You're moving across the country. I mean, horrifying. When did you start your actual treatment and the surgery and all that? Was that in Colorado or was that in North Carolina after you moved? North Carolina. So right when I got out there, we scheduled surgery and, um, and then treatment was radioactive iodine. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's, it was, I think I have. Yeah. It was a really big pill and you're radioactive. Yeah. It kills the rest of the cancer and you basically can't be around any living thing. So I couldn't be around my husband, kids, plants, like anything. I had to sanitize everything. It was so weird. That is weird. Yeah. And I felt horrible. And that was um, like a month after, I think it was, yeah, I think it was like a month, month and a half, maybe after surgery. And so it was, of course, my husband was in residency. So who's going to watch the kids for, you know, 24 hours a day while I'm up here and my husband's an intern. <laughs> what did you do? Well, we had, thankfully I had, um, my family, my mom and dad came out and then my mom came out and then my husband's mom came out. Oh. And then I had two of my best friends come out. And then we had some people here through, through the grapevine of the Lord, right? Opening up these doors for people, friends of friends who brought us meals, played with the kids, loved on the kids. Um, and basically was, they were mom for wow. the time that I couldn't be. Oh, that's so hard. It's it was so awful. hard. <laughs> and then I remember you talk a lot in your book about how after that was really when depression yeah. Set in. And you said at one point in your book, how could I trust a God who allowed so many bad things to happen? Which I don't think anybody blames you for asking that question. Where, where'd you get with that? Like, how did you dig your way out of the depression? Walk us through that season. Yeah. I just felt, so the, the cancer spread throughout the rest of my neck. And so it wasn't just like a quick surgery and- Um, just like, Oh, get your thyroid out, call it a day. Um, and so I just was not myself anymore. Like I'm a very high energy, get get things done, strong personality. And this just really wrecked me to the point where I didn't recognize who I was anymore. And I couldn't be, I felt like I couldn't be the wife my husband married or mm. the mom that I wanted to be for my kids or sure. a friend or basically anything. I had zero desire to get out of bed. And that was so unlike me. And so I think just that is, it's so interesting how God always meets us in our worst places. Mm-hmm. And you can always look back and say, 
it was the suffering and the pain that ultimately brought the healing, which is like mm-hmm. opposite, you know, we're, it's like we're living in an opposite world, but that is just the backwards absolute truth of what I experienced and being able to sit with the Lord on things that truly mattered. And what about myself was I holding on to? And this character and this person that I thought I was, who is God making me to be? And what am I supposed to learn in those seasons of just not being not being me, not being who I thought I was and where my life was going mm-hmm. and thinking I had all the answers, trying to control the situation and really having the Lord shift my perspective mm-hmm. from what I wanted and my agenda mm-hmm. to his agenda and what and, and believing the best that he was actually going to do something out of that that it wasn't going to be like oh here Nicole your life's going to be horrible now mm-hmm. you know it i had to believe that he was going to continue doing good things in my life and that this wasn't the end of my story mm-hmm. and so i had to stand on that and stand on you know the the hope that and the promise that he will make things good and that the mm-hmm. sufferings do pr- produce you know, character and endurance and hope and all of those beautiful things that we read about. So what did you feel, practically speaking, what tools helped you get out of that depression? Honestly, just sitting before the Lord and Mm -hmm. writing and journaling Mm. and getting it all out. Like I had to vent and be my 100% honest, authentic self with my Mm -hmm. questions with my doubts because I knew God could take it Mm -hmm. and I wasn't going to think that this was it, like that this was it. This was the end of my story. And I I wasn't, I did not want to accept that. Mm -hmm. Like I had to have some type of fight. God had to give me some type of strength to be able to take the next step of knowing that this is not the end. Mm -hmm. And that is so it is so hard when you have to just journal your way out of stuff sure. and talk your way out of things and just vent. And all of that is so necessary though. And I think one of the biggest things too is if you are depressed and you are going through the worst seasons of your life, you have to have an outlet and you have to be able to have some trusted person that you can be 1000% honest with. And you have to do what you have to do. And if that means that you need to get on some medication for a short time, Mm -hmm. if that means that you need to join a Bible study, if that you need to like work out more, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, I'm just like a huge proponent on listening to what the Lord wants you to do so that you don't stay in this place forever. Mm -hmm. Because it's so, I was there and it was so easy Mm -hmm. to just wallow and Mm -hmm. sit in my pain instead of taking that next step towards joy, towards healing, towards this new, this newness that God was almost like birthing in me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I, in a section of your book, you talk about how when a new trial would come to you, you just wanted to like get through it and get to the other side, which is like completely how I am. Like, you know, even in this fall, you know, when I said, when we were just like, our cars kept breaking down, I kept saying to Scott, my husband, like, oh, we just got to get through this. Like, we just got to get through this, like whatever curse we have on our cars right now. We're like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, let's just plow through this and have it be a memory, you know? Right, right. And there's a quote that I wanted to read from your book um, that you said that you learned, you were talking about things that you learned and you said, be present. The first thing I want to do when pain comes is skip ahead to the next season. I don't want to deal with it or focus on it. But I've found that if I live in the moment, ordinary moments sustain me. A kid's birthday, a hair appointment, doing laundry, making dinner. When you walk slowly and intentionally and concentrate on these everyday gifts, you will feel God's presence. And that was really convicting to me because I I really struggle with that, yeah. as I think probably everybody does. You know, when something yeah. hard is upon us, as whether it be a small kind of insignificant thing or a huge thing, like for you, cancer, you know? Yeah. It's so easy to just be like, I just got to get through this. I just got to get through this surgery. Right. I just got to get through, you know, this radiation Whatever. pill yeah. thing. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I just got to get through this stuff. And yeah. that's not to say that, no, you really should enjoy it. Like, you should right. sit there and be just like thrilled right. to pieces that this is right. like, obviously, of course you want to get through it. But you don't want to miss it. Like, you don't want to exactly. miss what's happening in the midst of it. Talk to us yeah. a little bit about that and like your learning with that. Oh yeah. And I still feel like I am learning that and will always, Mm -hmm. that'll always be a process for me because I am so quick. I don't think anybody wants to feel pain, right? So I think all of us just want to skip to that next season and that next, I don't know, trying to find some silver lining in whatever we're going through so that we don't have to deal with it anymore. Yeah. But I do believe, you know, God, we we are not promised tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We only have today. And God is working in today. He is mm-hmm. working in and through us today. The Spirit is interceding for us. God is working on our behalf. There are things that we cannot see yeah. that God is doing behind the scenes. And He is generously giving us everything we need. He's equipping us with everything we need. And I think once we see that He is our daily bread mm-hmm. and that we, like, Today is all we are promised. Today mm-hmm. is all we have. Mm-hmm. I think that for me was so freeing mm-hmm. because I wasn't stressed about tomorrow. I wasn't stressed about that appointment. I wasn't stressed about whatever. I could sit in today and be like, okay, thankfully I am feeling up for making dinner for my family. And yeah. that was a joy because I was feeling so horrible. And when you go through health, problems, yeah. it becomes empowering to be able to get out of bed and like so true. make a meal. And so that was, that became like those simple things became joyful for me. And that brought that back of even going to a baseball game, watching your kid play a sport or bring in, I don't know, making cookies, like whatever it is. It's just those little things are all that we have sometimes. And Mm -hmm. God is going to meet us in each of those moments. And that is why I had to just stop worrying about all the future stuff because that Mm -hmm. could have killed me. Just thinking through 
all of the what ifs, because totally. that's when the what ifs come, when we worry and we think about tomorrow, that's when all the what if scenarios. But if we just focus on now, mm-hmm. right, what's ahead of us, mm-hmm. that's all that matters. And I do believe that that will bring so much peace. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You talk about also how you found yourself in a vicious cycle of complaining. And I was like, oh, (laughs) hello, that's me. Yeah. (laughs) And there was one section where you were talking about like thoughts going through your head. And you were saying like, why do all my friends have husbands who come home at a decent hour to eat dinner with the kids and help with their bedtime routine? Why am I the only one at basketball games doing bath time and making every meal every day? Why me, God? And I mean that I'm sure everyone listening to this is probably like, ooh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, it's so easy. I remember even for, my husband was a pastor for like six years. And it was right in the time when I had my two babies. And I remember feeling so annoyed on Sunday mornings (laughs) that like everyone else got to like, go to church as a family and it was so cute. And like, and for me, Sunday was like a terribly stressful day. Like it was like trying to like get the kids up and like feed this one and and get the clothes on and get there and and check them into Sunday school and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and I'm always doing it by myself. And and I got so complainy about it. Yeah. And like, that's not to say that you're not allowed to acknowledge that it's hard. Like oh, you can of course. say like, oh man, like this, I wish my husband was here to yes. like go to church with us on Sunday morning instead of me getting us out the door on our yeah. own. But what are you accomplishing by being like, oh, like everybody yeah. else gets to have their husband with them and blah, blah. It's like, yeah. guess what? They have other hard stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if you, you want to trade, like they have other <laughs> crappy stuff that goes on. You know what I mean? Like whatever, you know, like my cousin, when I was going through that time, when Scott was always working on Sundays, well, my cousin, yeah, she had her husband on Sundays, but he was also an accountant and would literally disappear for like three or four months during right. tax season. And she had right. zero time. You know what I mean? So it's like, did I want that problem? No, not exactly. really. You know? Exactly. So it talk to me a little bit about the complaining though. Like how can we like catch ourselves? How can we reframe yeah. it? I mean, like you said, I think it's so important to have those friends that you vent with, that you acknowledge how you're feeling, that you can say, wow, this is horrible and I hate it. (laughs) And I would not choose this, you know? And I think that's fine. I think that's okay. But I, especially as moms, when we have little kids watching us, you can tell when your complaining starts to bring other people down. Mm. And that's when you know, okay, there's my check. I am, this has gone too far. (laughs) You know, all of a sudden your kids are starting to complain and they're starting to mimic mom and they're starting to be upset and uptight. And then everybody's having a bad day. And then you really just made the situation worse. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a balance between, you know, powering through and acting like nothing can shake you and you're perfect and you're fine and, and almost being fake about it. Mm -hmm. And then just bringing everybody down with you and life is just a disaster all the time. And now your kids are having bad days every day because mom is a complaining person. And yeah, (laughs) you can tell. I really think we we do a disservice to ourselves thinking that we don't know when it's too much, but we do. We do. And I think we need to take responsibility in that. And we're all guilty of it. We're all bad at it at times. Absolutely. It's such a good point though. Like, 
if my little girls, which I'm sure I complained about it in front of them, I'm sure there were Sunday mornings where I was like, oh, I just wish your father was here, blah, blah, blah. What are they internalizing? Like, wow, we really are a <laughs> large burden to mom on Sundays. Like, she really hates exactly. us on Sunday. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. that's really sad, you know, like, to yeah. think about that. And also, like, my older daughter, she's six. Oh, my word. She is a very sensitive, like, child. And she picks up on my emotions. Like, you would not believe, yes. which I'm sure you understand. You have four kids. It's like... If I so much as am talking through something with my husband, like, well, I'm just a little nervous. I don't know how we'd get to the party on time because there's a lot of traffic, blah, blah, blah. Like, just like whatever. Right. I'll hear her say later, like, well, mom, what if there's traffic? Yes. You know what I mean? Which like what Uh, six-year-old is aware of the traffic patterns? You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, she's repeating what I said, you know? (laughs) Yes. And so it's like, if I'm complaining all the time about Whatever. Whatever. Drop off, pick up, laundry, cooking. Like, if you're like, oh, I can't believe I have to make dinner again. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, they're going to talk like that. And they're going to internalize that. And it's like, do you want that vibe in your house? Not really. Or they're going to place that burden on themselves. And that's where it's so unnecessary. Because Mm -hmm. that's when you just take it too far. And you're now putting the responsibility that you have as a mom onto your children. Totally. And that's not, that's not healthy. And they can learn those things down the road when they're older, but when they have children, but it's, it's just something that we have to be so cognizant of and almost just daily think about, you know, because honestly, as moms, let's be real. There's something every single day that I could complain about. Oh, totally. Maybe every hour, you know, uh, yes, just, multiple is, times an yes, hour. Like yes. there are so many things that are annoying or distracting or frustrating or whatever it is. And that is why we have to be aware and surrender that to the Lord immediately and bring that peace and joy back into our home without being mm-hmm. fake about it. Cause you yes. can, you, your children need to know that there are problems in the world and totally. we need to work through them and we all need Jesus. But being able to, share with your kids and the people around you that I can have a really hard day, but I can also almost shift it to where it matters Mm -hmm. and God's going to do something good with it. And that I don't have to complain to feel almost valued or seen, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when so many hard things like keep happening, it's easy to live. You talked about this in your book. It's easy to start living with that, like waiting for the next shoe to drop mindset, you know, um, whatever. If you've been through a lot of traumas, especially like in your story, right? right? I could totally see myself if I were you being like, well, when's the next catastrophe gonna occur? You know what I mean? And so you talked a little bit in your book about learning to live with unclenched hands and like not to live that way. Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. I just really tried to control my life and it Mm -hmm. just didn't turn out great. And so Mm -hmm. I think I didn't do anything. Like I couldn't have done anything different, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's things just happen. I don't, I'm a healthy person. I still got cancer. I was a quote unquote good girl and I still Mm -hmm. had the rape. I did everything I could with pregnancy to be great. And I still had a miscarriage. We can do everything we can in our control to try to change a situation. And it still is out of our control. Totally. The only one who can change anything, who can 
the only one who can restore, the only one who can redeem, the only one who can heal, the only one that can mend anything is God. Mm -hmm. And when I almost surrendered my pride and my idea of what I wanted in my life and where I thought things were going and put everything in his hands and saying, okay, here you are. Mm -hmm. You love me more than I love you. Mm -hmm. You care about me more than I care about you. As much as I, as much as I want to say, I love God and I care. And I'm so, I'm so grateful. And all these things, like when I deserved it the least, God sent his son. Mm -hmm. That is this undeserved grace. Mm-hmm. That is something that slowly helps me to release that and say, okay, Lord, when I have all of my eggs in your basket, I know that it's safe mm-hmm. and life is going to be so hard, but mm-hmm. you are going to walk with me. You are going to equip me and you are going to continue to pursue and love and make something beautiful out of whatever mess that I will go through, have gone through, am going through. Mm -hmm. And it might look different than I think, but I have God. Mm -hmm. And that is at the end of the day, that's the only thing that I can even stand on. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. It is so hard to get in that mindset. It's definitely Mm -hmm. not something that I'm always good at, but yeah, I just think how much of a miracle it is that we serve the God that can do all those things. Mm-hmm. And if we submit, like what, what amazing things could happen if mm-hmm. we just submit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you also had a chapter about comparison, which we kind of already touched on, like talking about social media and things like that. And I was wondering as I was reading, you know, how has the struggle to not compare come up for you or has it come up for you since launching your book? Because that's like a really <laughs> vulnerable thing. And I know that like comparison comes up for me with the podcast. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. at first it didn't because like at first, you know, when I first launched, I was like, wow, I'll be happy if two people listen. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> but then like two people do listen. You know what I mean? And then you're like, oh, 200, maybe, maybe 2000, I want four. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So then you're just like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're comparing. Right. And you're like, well, this podcast, this, and then that. Yeah, and then all of a sudden the joy is sucked out of it and you're in a yeah. negative hole, you know? So I wondered uh, about that. Like, I wonder how this has come up, you know, since yeah. launching a book, which is just like, that's a really, really huge thing. I love that you asked this because I'm literally walking through it right now. And it has been so interesting to see what God has done in it. So the, I had, I'm learning that I had a lot of expectations going into launch. Mm -hmm. I hold people to a very high standard. I think that when we have the Lord on our side, we should be called to excellence. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of things go wrong and I was very, frustrated. I was so disappointed. I was so mad. I was all the things thinking, oh my goodness, I thought I had all my ducks in a row. And so once I didn't hit that Amazon number one, once I didn't sell enough, once I didn't, whatever it was that I had going into it, I just had, I honestly went like dark. I was like, Mm -hmm. why did I write this book? Why did I do this? Everyone else is thriving. And I'm not. And so really, Lord, did I, was I even supposed to write it? Oh, man. And that's yeah. kind of where I had to land of just like, what is like, what am I doing? What's the point? And that's when 
one of my mentors was saying, God delights so much and when he gives surprises. Mm. And just like a, a parent on Christmas morning, we find so much more joy when we can surprise our kids with a gift that they didn't even think of because we know them. Yeah. And we knew that they maybe thought about it or asked for it or didn't even think about it. And sure. we know it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And I came on Christmas morning. This is an analogy, obviously. Mm -hmm. I came to God on Christmas morning and said, okay, here's my list of nine things. Yep. Here's, here's what I want. And totally. none of them ha happened. So now what? And mm -hmm. does God still love me? Of course he does. So I had to shift this idea of he delights in like, yes, he delights in the surprise and he knows me better than I know myself. And he is not a wasteful God, mm -hmm. but now I'm living out the message of my book. Now yeah. I'm living out when life is more than I can handle. When I'm in the thick of really frustrating things, how do I know that I can still have this joy? How do I know that God is still for me? And where am I putting my trust? Where am I putting my expectations? Is it in people? Because that's going to fail. We're all human. We're all going to fail, right? We're all mm -hmm. sinful. Is it putting it in an outcome? Well, that's silly because can't take those to heaven. Mm -hmm. Am I putting it in a number? Again, trophies, rewards, accolades, gold stars, none of that matters. Am I preaching the gospel? That is what matters. Mm -hmm. And so I had to like, we have a lot of, um, I don't know if you've had that like Christian celebrity who wrote that book. I don't know. I need to mm. go back and look. That's a side note. But there's a lot of that where it's like the numbers and the fame and the, and it, that's amazing, right? Like that is good for you, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but I had to look in my lane and say, wow, it is so humbling when you realize that no matter the numbers, no matter the accolades, that writing the book was my act of obedience. And now oh. I walk away and that's it. And the rest is up to him. And so getting to that place now, oh my gosh, I am like so excited. I can't wait to see what's next. I am loving this journey. I am like so joy filled, so full of peace. And it is the best place I've ever been in this with this whole book process. Yeah. But it took all of that to finally get there. <laughs> I needed that. I needed to hear that today. That was so good. You, ugh, you're so right. It's just like, you know, I struggle with that with the podcast. As I was saying, you know, it's like you go, you like pray and you're like, God, I want like this and I want this and like, the, right. you know, but you're right. It's like, just to remember like, Hey, and my husband will remind me of this all the time. He's like, Hey, do you love doing the podcast? Like, do you, do people reach out to you saying that they were impacted by a conversation? Like, do, do those things happen? Like that's what God asked you to do. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. what you're called to like, and the rest will come or it won't. And it doesn't matter. You know right. what I mean? Like what matters is that you feel like these are important conversations that people need to hear and you're putting them out there, you know? That's right. That's right. And that is such a mind shift that we have yeah. to go through because totally. that's not, that's not how people are. Yeah. And especially in any type of business. Yeah. Like it's always numbers driven and expectations Absolutely. and, and just going like, okay, I'm going to put this podcast out to the best of my ability. I'm going to enjoy it, love it, do mm -hmm. my thing and done. Okay. Prepare for the next. Like, yeah. it's just, we can't, it's, it really is. It's like, I almost see that picture of like the lighting the fire or like lighting the match and like wa walking away and then like blows up. Yes. But like, that's kind of how I feel. It's like, yeah. 
And and then in, in more spiritual terms, you know, you're like planting the seed mm-hmm. and you don't know what's going to come up from that. You don't know if it's going to be a beautiful tree or a flower or mm-hmm. a fruit or a vegetable. Like you don't know what's going to come from that. Yeah. But that is the act of obedience, putting it in, doing the work. You're covered. You're there. You see no light, but you, it, you walk away because that was your act of obedience. And that's it. Like period. Yeah. God does the rest. Totally. Totally. That's amazing. Thank you. That was so encouraging. Um, I appreciate that so much. Um, but I do think that that's really cool how you were saying that you have to live out like the message of your book yeah. now, <laughs> you know, cause they, cause they do, what do they say? Like, well, if you want to, you know, like fight with your husband, write a book about marriage or right. like whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, I feel like that's always the way, right? It's, like you put oh something gosh. out there and then you're like, oh, okay. Now I'm struggling with this. Um, so, so true. <laughs> I just thank you so much for your words in this interview, in this book. Everybody take back your joy. They can get it everywhere, right, Nicole? Yes. Amazon, whatever. I mean, I, it's like, it's funny because I, I'm always just like, can they get it on Amazon? And people are like, yes. yeah. And I'm like, that's where people are going to buy that's it. That's where you go anywhere. So <laughs> go to Amazon. <laughs> so you can get it in Amazon. Um, where can we find you online? I'm on Instagram mostly and then my website. So Instagram is Nicole.JacobsMeyer and then my website is NicoleJacobsMeyer.com. So nice and easy. I love it. I have one last stupid question for you. What is your favorite snack right now? Oh man, that is so hard. I'm a huge snack girl. I am too. Yes. (laughs) I I will like make myself little like charcuterie boards. The best. (laughs) But but not like nice ones, like mom snack style. Absolutely. Right? So I would say those. Those little random crackers, little cheese, little Koran raisin things. And it is more delicious, though, when you throw it on a slab of wood. I mean, nothing makes me laugh harder than the charcuterie board memes about how they're like, you know, this is just a Lunchable, right? Like, is everyone aware of this is a Lunchable, like, which we all think is like a really low class food, but then you stick it on a slab of wood and it's like, this is such a fancy party, but I don't care. I'm in. It's so true. That's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Nicole, thank you so much. This was so fun. We appreciate it. We'll link all your stuff in the notes. You're awesome. Thank you for this book. Thank you for this interview. Thank you so much, Caitlin. I've loved it. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions. Mm